Scorpio International Holding Company, LLC, here on Republic Broadcasting Network. And let me take this opportunity to please ask everyone out there listening to please uh, give what you can to keep this bastion of free speech alive. Uh, Given what I covered last hour, you know, free speech is more important than ever, and it truly is under an organized attack, a philosophical attack, and a military attack as well. So that said, I would like to bring on my guest, Steve from the UK, who was my guest last week, and I really thought that we had a great conversation, but we just kind of scratched the surface. So Steve, are you there, sir? I'm here. Can you hear me clearly? I can indeed, yes. And Steve, I want to thank you for coming back. I thought we had you know, a great talk last week, and you brought up some very insightful points uh, about banking, and we're going to get into that a little bit later. But I wanted to get, just to kick things off, kind of get your response uh, to uh, the Herbert Marcusa clips and this sort of where Rechtenwald took the seeds or the origin of this leftist thought that we're living in what are your thoughts on on this subject uh steve um well a couple of points i've I've heard of this theory before this squeezing from above and squeezing from below um by people at the top who know about money wanting to get rid of the middle class who have equity and those people at the bottom don't know anything about money they're not taught at school they don't have any money they don't have any praxis of investment or saving um most people are living from paycheck to paycheck. In this country, Scorpio, we have 7 million people on food bank. So they tend to be more reactionary at the bottom if you haven't got money. And ironically, if they knew more about money, their collective struggle perhaps could be more effective. Um, so I think the reason what they want as the end game um, is, one, the slave state, the master-slave relationship, um, essentially slaves and slave catchers. Um, But more fundamental than that, um, many people sort of stop there. But the demonic nature of the black black magic that the banker uses, um, it it becomes and morphs into a hatred, not just uh, of humans, they're just a creation. 
the banker hates the all of creation that God has created and is at war with God. And we're just in the way, in a way. And what the banker ultimately wants to do is to transmogrify the human condition and to make it wretched, to create a new electric golem, to replace man and become the new homo superior. That's what the banker wants to do. Um, and eventually, I guess, to go out and conquer the universe. Um, but they do say the banker is the masters of the universe and usury provides them with that magical power, the printing of money at interest out of thin air. Um, and they don't want any rebellion or revolution. Um, and what we're seeing is, is Judaism and the Jews take hold of a country. They establish a kind of anarcho-tyranny where they're the largest organized crime firm in town. And their primary job is to kind of disassociate um, and break up any sort of opposition that they can't actually handle. And those which uh, are perhaps useful to their cause, for example, far-left causes like the Socialist Workers' Party, um, the Socialist Party in this country. And <clears throat> you then got all the upper-class factions that are perhaps losing out and seeing their businesses and their own fiefdoms being destroyed in this country as it's being deindustrialized, as is Germany and a lot of the EU. Um, and so the banker makes many enemies with his debt. Uh, and to control that, he has to have them all at each other's throats. Um, and I think you touched on the, a second point there of where the legal profession is selling laws to a woke state and its client groups at the bottom. And it's through this legal profe uh, profession that the gravy train of money from the banker flows into that. And from there, it also flows into government, through the lobbying. And you can see the, the police and the military wanting to get their cuts, all the people who are going to enforce these woke policies, um, to a point where, say, in France and the Macron, they have a full-on raging police state. The police are the only people who support Macron. Now, that's coming here, and I would perhaps argue um, it's uh, arrived with uh, the, the jailing, jailing of Sam Melia for putting up a couple of stickers. It's okay to be white and um, be proud of your nation. You know, something very vanilla, very bland, but it's a subtle propaganda of this squeezing from above and squeezing from below, using the legal profession to provide the gravy train and arbitrate this coliseum of um, different client groups competing for scraps being handed out by the bankers, ultimately. Yes, um, Everybody else. Yes. And Steve, you, you bring up some great points that I like this idea of squeezing from above, squeezing from below. That's exactly what's going on. And, uh, of course, Macron, or I call him Maricon, um, he was basically a Rothschild lackey, uh, you know, a, a an errand boy for the Rothschilds before he um, became, you know, prime minister of France. So, uh, yeah, and you're right. Nobody likes the guy, yet he got reelected. That's suspicious. And um, it's interesting how the seeds of, of this philosophy really does come from the Frankfurt School of Marcusa and uh, sort of leftist totalitarianism, which was cooked up by primarily Jews as part of this grand plan to capture the world 
under their control. And you're absolutely right. The bankers are the heart of it through their their uh, banking magic of creating money out of thin air. And of course, once you add interest in the equation, it's a it's a mathematical fact. There isn't enough money to pay the interest back. And see, and they know that. Most people don't understand that. It's impossible to pay the interest back because there's not enough money in circulation. So you have to print more, which causes inflation. So it's a it's a it, it truly is a Ponzi scheme. And since you brought up bankers, I, I want to get your take on the Bank of International Settlements because that's a subject that's not talked about very often. And I want to get your take on that and how it fits into the whole banking hierarchy and what what it is. Um, the Bank of International Settlement is is uh, a clearinghouse for foreign national debts. So it is essentially a way of legitimizing and normalizing uh, the trade of the global fiat currencies, the dollar, the yen, the euro, the pound, uh, and the associated groups outside of that which wish to trade with that because that forms like the vast majority of the world's money percentage-wise. Uh, hence the counter-reactionary movement to that of BRICS, de-dollarization, uh, and returning to a commodity-backed currency, ultimately. Um, and this, which is why we're seeing forms of like uh, commodity nationalism, bullet nationalism. Um, th- this is where countries are realizing that they're, they're losing out here and they're looking after their own interests. And the larger countries are more brave enough to do that. And the weaker countries end up selling out and having to use black market dollars as their own official currency because they've got massive amounts of inflation. Um, and we touched upon it last week about how in that scenario, uh, they're always having to, with a begging cap, go to the IMF. But really, the, the BIS is, is where everything is actually cleared. So I've, I had a, t- a chat today uh, with, with my own table table here about how the national debt is not your debt. Um, I never agreed with sending billions and billions of pounds to Ukraine. Um, I've never agreed with all this monetization of debt through COVID, where they're death jabbing everybody. I never agreed with that, and the money printed off. But if you use that money as normal people do, they, they are essentially diluting the money supply. And I think one of the objectives they have is to actually crash and collapse cash in order to bring forth a central bank digital currency which has sanctions built in as a a programmable nature where you could not just instantly sanction individuals, Scorpio, but you get to instantly sanction whole countries. I think that's where the real game is. And I think the BIS is one of those apparatuses that the international finance offices will be using uh, if they get their central bank digital currency to enforce sanctions, to enforce a foreign debt. So, like you say, the debt is unpayable. Well, a lot of regimes fail when it becomes unpayable and they can no longer service those slave payments. Maybe uh, in that particular country, the people rise up and there's a change of government, uh, kind of what we're seeing in Argentina in a way, but they've got controlled opposition. Um, and maybe they say, we're not going to honour that debt anymore. Um, I think a good example of that would probably be um, the, the Bolshevik regime. If you were from an alien hostile regime and you've won your liberty, should you be liable for the debt from the previous corrupt regime? Why should you be? 
But if you don't pay it, then why would the other foreign nations, and maybe they're not liberated, maybe they're all Zog, why would they trade with you? And certainly the Bank of International Settlement is one of those places where that will come out to play. And I feel um, this is where it's also kind of like a, a place where Jewish bankers get together to decide the fate of nations, to decide how much money they owe in interest payments, to decide are, how are they going to affect the balance of payments in terms of imports and exports. Um, how much of a floating currency are they actually going to maintain in foreign exchange reserves to facilitate cheap and effective settlement uh, of debt? Um, what they don't want is import tariffs. What they don't want is autarky. What they don't want is people not participating in the system like the BIS and drawing up their own trade agreements and uh, where you're cutting out the banker. And you could even have barter contracts where you produce X value of uh, trains and in return uh, that country gives you X value of, say, oil or gas or another manufactured product of the same value. And you just transfer batches. And that right. way you don't even need to have the, the middleman with fiat. Um, so I think uh, at worst use local currencies – but you're still going to have mandarins with a, a, a money printer, an infinite money printer. You know, having an infinite money printer doesn't make you moral. Uh, and I was discussing today how the more money you have, the more you seem to be corrupt. I'm sure there's lots of uh, industrious, enterprising, honest millionaires who've earned their money. But when you get to the billionaire level and the trillionaire level, I'm going to argue that you can't get to that level without Jewish organized crime because they'd rob you otherwise. Uh, and this or is where you, you get the profiling coming in and what you were, you were talking about in a sense of the system creates a profile, gives it a legal victimhood status that needs protecting, essentially inventing a client group with certain privileges and sanctions against those who uh, are perceived as enemies of that client group as part of the political deal. <clears throat> and those people are essentially, their futures and destinies are bought and sold within the legal profession. Um, so I think these international apparatus isn't necessary. It's a, a Jewish clearinghouse and a Jewish meeting house. And it's probably where different Jewish cartels who have their own money printer get together to decide the fate of the Goyim and the BIS I think he's right up there with the IMF. Yes, absolutely. And to, to kind of coordinate strategies and uh, keep everything on uh, a unified front forward. And, you know, you brought up a great point about countries simply using barter to trade, trade X number of train cars for beef or gas and oil. And that's one of the great sins that the National Socialists in Germany did is they were doing that. They were doing direct deals without cash, trading uh, goods for goods on a mass scale. And, uh, you know, that's a big no-no. They don't want people to even consider that. And another very important point you brought up, which is this idea of import tariffs. And, you know, prior to 1913, America ran the federal government completely on uh, tariffs, tariffs uh, for imported goods. Uh, was how the government funded itself prior to World War One, which really isn't that long ago. 
And um, that's, of course, uh, you can't do that. You can't have tariffs. We have to have free trade, you see. But the idea is that, hey, if you're going to do business with our country, uh, you you have to pay a fee so we can maintain our country. So you can use the uh, infrastructure and all the systems we've built within this country to be able to do business. That was one of the pillars of how things were done. And this really wasn't that long ago. I think also, just to add to that, um, the loss of bills of credit. So back in the day, you used to have a bill of credit. So if you had X amount of goods in the warehouse, uh, which is really the, the original banks, the warehouses in the harbor, um, you could actually go uh, to that secure storage and gain a, a bill of credit for that X amount of goods. And you could take that away, and that's as good as money. Um, now, in, in America, they used to have that. That's what a bank was. But then as they, as the Jews came into America and took it over with free mess and help, they've introduced um, a fiat system. Um, e- even the greenback is, is still fiat. It's just printed without interest. The, but there's nothing backing it. It's just toilet paper with confidence. What you want is a bill of credit of something that's actually worth something. And when you receive that bill of credit, when you take it into your possession, you're agreeing that that is a, uh, not only an item that has value in good faith, yes, it is what it says in the tin, but it's something you can then hand on as a, a form of money yourself to someone else. So you don't have to cash in those goods and use them or get utility out of them. It just needs to have a current value. And for that value to be reasonably consistent for the period from when it's in your possession to when you give it away to someone else as money. Um, That's a great point. Yes, and another uh, thing about the system currently is there's no point saving. So if you notice uh, at the moment, I believe the figure is in America, there is a trillion dollars of debt being added every 100 days. So if that's the case as an American, what's the point in saving? What's the point in paying to a pension scheme? What's the point? Well, yeah, in because it's going to be in, the value is going to be inflated away, and of course, inflation really is just a hidden tax. And you know, you brought up the idea of these um, uh, digital currencies being used as, as sanction devices, and there's even talk of you know a digital currency that has an expiration date. You have to spend your digital currency by a certain date, or it expires. That way, it's impossible. For you to save and you have to ask the question why don't they want people to save and i would suggest it's to do with a policy of goyim disempowerment so they come in they debase your money supply which attacks your uh, future investment for yourself and your family savings and pensions and then once you're disempowered and you can't afford a house they <coughs> they buy up all the houses they cause a housing crash, and then they buy up pennies on the pound, and then they pump up the price until it's extortionate, where today nobody can afford a house. Now, the average house price in America is $419,000. Yeah, and you know, in, in California and other states like New York, the average price of a house is around $800,000. And of course, uh, you're making a great point with these mega hedge funds and things like BlackRock and Vanguard buying up homes and they're not even having to wait till the market crashes. They have access to so much capital. There's so much capital sloshing around at the top. They don't even have to crash the market. In fact, the goal is to keep the market so high that nobody can afford to buy a house except 
for these hedge funds, and that's that's exactly what they're doing right now. And I want to come to the third point. So once they debase your money and they take your your homes, um, they then give these homes. This is a it's straight from the Talmud. The Jew does not like to be two percent of the population versus ninety eight percent of a population. The Jew wants to bring in immigrants and slavery to hide amongst, and they give the immigrants and new client groups. They create your houses of your children, and the future of your children is gone. No house, no money. Off you go to die, and they empower artificially these client groups. Yes, absolutely. We're seeing that happen in real time too, Steve. We are at the first break. This is a good place to stop. Mass immigration as cover for the so-called 2% of Jews. Everyone stay tuned. We're just getting started. so excited to have you as part of the Wild Pastures family, and we look forward to bringing you the pasture-raised meats that you and your family will love. Now, we started Wild Pastures because so many of my clients would tell me they just couldn't find high-quality pasture-raised meats, and even when they did, it was so expensive that they couldn't afford to eat it regularly. Now, I'm not talking about the bottom-of-the-barrel healthy meats that have claims like natural or free-range or even cage-free, terms that were actually created by the industrial food industry to make us feel all warm and fuzzy about buying their low-quality products. I'm talking about truly nourishing pasture-raised meats, the kind that you'll never really find in a grocery store. Our farmers are doing things beyond organic. Our beef is 100% grass-fed and grass-finished and raised on pastures free from chemicals and other pesticides. Our chickens are 100% pasture-raised, where they get their natural diet of grass and forage and insects. We will never settle for free range, which is actually one of the most deceptive terms in the chicken industry. In fact, less than 0.1% of the chicken consumed in the United States is truly pasture-raised in the way that ours is. And our pork is 100% pasture-raised as well. So if you care about where your food comes from, then you have definitely made it to the right place. As a Wild Pastures member, you'll be supporting the most highly principled farmers in America and getting the most nutrient-dense, nourishing, and sustainable meats in the world. I'm confident you'll love being part of our mission at Wild Pastures, and you will really love the delicious, nourishing meats that we're going to deliver straight to your door. Visit republicbroadcasting.org and click the Wild Pastures banner ad. Secure a shipment today. Beef, poultry, and pork raised the way nature intended. My name is John, I'm the founder of Blackout Coffee, and I started uh, Blackout because I really love coffee. I've always loved coffee, and after traveling so much to Europe, South America, and trying so many different coffees that were so good, and uh, every time I came back uh, to the U.S., I was so disappointed with the coffee, so I figured that I had to do something about it. The biggest difference is really is on the beans and the roasting process, how we roast it and how fresh it is. The fresher the roast, the better the quality. Here I have like all, all of the coffee. It's roasted within one to two days prior to being shipped. 
So it literally gets to consumer's house within three to five days after being roasted. If you like coffee, you have to try ours. It's fresh roasted. It's one of the best beans that we can get. And you will definitely see the difference. Visit blackoutcoffee.com and use the coupon code REPUB10. That's REPUB10. International Holding Company, LLC. I am your host, Dave Scorpio, talking with UK Steve, Steve from the UK. We're having an in-depth conversation about bankers and their tricks, their their whole uh, um, plethora of tricks that they use upon an unwitting society and an unwitting populace. So, Steve, before the break, you were talking about the use of immigration um, as a way of, of hiding, uh, the, the international Jew hides behind, uh, the immigration and the diversity, of course. So, uh, maybe you could continue on that before we, uh, go on to something else. So please go ahead, Steve. Yes. It's a, a demographic weaponization of social foreign social capital to the destruction of the indigenous. And it allows them to one rape all the resources of that country turn it into the Jewish slave state where there's no one group that can actually rebel and overpower them. Um, but also it allows them to conduct foreign operations and to use the host country as a base for further crime. Now, one of these figures I kind of want to point out is Victoria Newland. Um, and I've come to the conclusion after doing 20 years of this, of looking at neocons and the Zionists and the Jews, that the Jewish banks are working for, I've come to the conclusion that the neocons really are just front men, salesmen. Neocons are salesmen for the dollar. And it came out, uh, I think it was yesterday, with Victoria Newland, where she, she claimed that and admitted on camera that in Ukraine, the money they've been sent from the US to Ukraine, a lot of it has been embezzled by the higher-ranking officers within the Ukrainian army, and it's all gone missing. There's nothing to show for it. Um, and she's acting as if, oh, we didn't know that. Maybe we should have an audit, and uh, I'll get some people to look. They all knew from the off. They've always known. And what they are is peddlers of a gravy train I want to convey to the audience. These people are inventing catastrophes and profiting from them. The intense, intentional purpose of profiting from catastrophe. And Victoria Newland is part of a group, uh, an organized crime group of Jews who control that printing press at the Fed, who are trying to acquire hard value to inject into the dollar and their own personal communist possession. Um, i.e. using all these fake toilet paper notes to buy hard assets like land title. 
Um, <clears throat> so there's a multiplicity of objectives and an integration of uh, a few groups of the Jews and the righteous Gentiles like Victoria Newland. Um, and the whole sycophants who ride on that gravy train like the legal profession to carry this forward as a social norm when in actual fact it's an unrestricted unrestricted Jewish tyranny of an oligarchical collectivist model Um, yeah and of course you know uh, Victoria Newland's real name is Victoria Noodleman and just by chance and you know she's married to Robert Kagan of uh, PNAC fame he was one of the PNAC guys that wrote about how he needed a new Pearl Harbor. And I think your point about um, the neocons being frontmen for the dollar, I, I think that's a very good point. I've never heard that said, but I think it's accurate. And, of course, the, the origin of the of the neocons, they're all Trotskyites, essentially. That's the, where they come from. Um, yes, uh, in this country, we, we had Jack Straw, and they rise to power. Theresa uh, May. Uh, all these people are groomed from a very early age into international permanent revolution, which leads to the domination internationally of Judaism. That's yes. who's who groomed, groomed them, and that, that's what they're going to carry out when they do get into power. Absolutely. And see, we're at the, we're at the bottom of our break. It's the final break of the show. Uh, we are dealing with the lunatic fringe. So everyone stay tuned. We will be right back. You are tuned in to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit our website by going to republicbroadcasting.org. Hello, hello, hello from beautiful Colorado. My name is Samuel Jung Kay, and I am currently the lead Shiloji hunter and master herbalist for Colorado Shiloji Company. In this video series, I will be discussing what we believe is the greatest of all adaptogenic superfoods and the single greatest natural healing remedy gifted to us by Mother Earth. I think you too will become as excited by this incredible substance called Shiloji as we were and are after our discovery of this amazing gift right here in beautiful, colorful Colorado. You may already know Shiloji by other names. Shilojit, Momio, Momi, Mami, Mineral Pitch, Asphaltum, and others. Shiloji literally translates to destroyer of weakness and conqueror of mountains. Shiloji has been in use for thousands of years and is considered as the highest valued cure-all of any earthly substance. Look for the gold mountain and medical symbol logo in banners on republicbroadcasting.org to watch the full video and see more information. Use code GORBN when ordering. That's G-O-R-B-N. Homeowners, if your lender has gone out of business or sold your transaction to another lender or servicer, you may be the victim of a wrongful foreclosure resulting in the loss of your home. If you've already lost your home, are in foreclosure, or even in good standing, you can challenge the mortgage transaction's illegal issue and your property can be restored to you, and your foreclosure can be stopped or reversed and the mortgage transaction declared unenforceable. State laws, U.S. title codes, the Uniform Commercial Codes, and U.S. Supreme Court rulings have upheld that defective mortgage documentations can reverse or stop foreclosures and enforce property title claims in favor of the homeowner. We are having successes in stopping the process of foreclosure, the enforcement of the foreclosure judgments, the sale of property, and evictions after the sale. We are not attorneys, and we don't give legal advice. We are a professional team of legal researchers, providing forensic mortgage audits and expert witnesses. We have the knowledge to produce the evidence and enforce laws regarding your legal issues. We've been in business for 12 years without a complaint. Consultations are free, and we provide a free title search to confirm if your mortgage has legal defects. Email tom at republicbroadcasting.org. T-O-M at republicbroadcasting.org. Hi, 
Tom Bolton for Ease Off. I know so many of you are finding our EZ4 carcass drop and lift an essential tool for your meat processing operation, but today I want to spotlight four of our new products. First, our right height hog cradles with steel or aluminum frames. Our customers love this back-saving innovation that enhances sanitation and speeds production. Next, our beef cradles with stainless steel or aluminum frames eliminate rust and corrosion. We hope you'll compare our quality and prices for this essential part of your processing line. Our cradles are especially effective when used with our power skinner. And finally, our hook tumbler will keep your hooks clean and polished. EaseOff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows, too. EaseOff, LLC, 417-932-6419. Scorpio International Holding Company for today. And Steve, uh, without further ado, why don't you go ahead and continue your thoughts uh, before the bottom of the hour break? Thank you. Um, yes, I wanted to move into like the money laundering aspect. So I think like Victoria Newland um, and the basis of like the Neocom power is like a whole series of money laundering operations which obviously is classic Jewish crime, but I, I want to go into that just a little bit, how it works. So they, they send all this money out into Ukraine, and obviously they take their cut on their personal cut. It's a deeply, deeply corrupt country, all the way down to the bottom even. But the vast majority of that money comes back to the U.S., and it doesn't go to, like, the people, jobs, jobs, jobs. It goes to Freemasons who own the businesses and franchises and Jews who own, like, the major transnationals. So think, like, arms dealing companies, yeah? Um, And I guess to banks, ultimately, at the end of the day. So all this money goes into Ukraine, and then they get to spend that money, but they only get to spend it within the limited parameters that Victoria Newland puts down, i.e. the ones the Jews have told her to do that. You can only, for example, purchase these weapons from this company with this money. And so it's a way of stealing from the people, diluting the US dollar, stealing from the US US taxpayer, uh, and giving it to a thoroughly corrupt regime in a huge money laundering operation, the latest of a whole series, because these people haven't been stopped because they murder everybody in their path, um, and then it's sent back to the Freemasons and Jewish offices in America who own all these recipients of this money to then manufacture more arms, for example, more munitions. Um, and they make huge, fabulous profits. And these same profits then go back into these work policies which subjugate the indigenous population against being able to do anything about it. One of the examples we see of that not just in Ukraine, is with Israel, that they will deselect anyone in Congress 
who votes against Israel, because if they have a majority of people who could vote against Israel, there would be no money being sent to Israel, and it's billions and billions of dollars. And they use those billions and billions of dollars the U.S. sends them, the Jew, in Israel, to buy U.S. politicians to keep the gravy train going, to keep those foreign aid packages for Israel going, and to make them larger and larger and more and more regular with the yes. arms munitions to a point where they're bombing the Palestinians now. Right, illegally. Well, they're they're carpet bombing essentially all of Gaza, and I, I think you're making a great point that most of this money is used to create war, and of course, money uh, is made on the back end too. There's money made during the war, but of course, the reconstruction—a good term there—reconstructing uh, a new society. Uh, that's what's going to happen in Ukraine very soon, regardless of who wins the war. Uh, you're going to have a reconstruction. And a repopulation of Ukraine as well, a, a diverse population, of course, and uh, rebuilding the country in a new, different image. And, you know, one, Victoria Newland or Noodleman played an, a, a crucial role in what happened in uh, Ukraine. She went over there with like $5 billion, allegedly, to grease the skids to get the revolution, the color revolution going. And, of course, you know, her husband, Robert Kagan, his real name is Kaganovich, and he's from the Kaganovich family that was actually involved in the Bolshevik Revolution in Russia. So this is intergenerational crime as well. And we can look at perhaps Black Lives Matter as well, where they were given billions of dollars by these transnational corporations, uh, state support and sanction, I guess. They did burn half of America, and nothing happened. Um, and I think... They're going to push, obviously, you give them an inch, they take a foot, they'll push for more and more and more because it's a gravy train. So now we're talking about black reparations. Where, in, uh, I think, yes, California, they want to pay a million dollars to every black person as reparations for slavery. And now they're talking about other states doing that. Because the, the blacks see us as prey. The immigrants, all of them fighting age men, 90-odd percent plus fighting age men, see us as prey. See the white working man as prey. And they want a million dollars for free. So we've got a situation now where they're changing the demographics to try and flip Republican states into uh, Democrat states, um, where they will vote in people... Um, who will give them what they vote and ask for, which is a million-dollar reparations. So uh, aside from the, the, the insane mental gymnastics as to why a black man is worth a million dollars and why I'm supposed to pay for that because I'm the only one working, would you work if you had a million dollars for free? Well, like, well no, of course not. And, and of course, the, I, I think this is going to be a difficult thing to pull off because then you're going to have to get into proving uh, that your family were actually slaves and then uh, we, you get into the uncomfortable situation of, well, how black are you? What percentage black are you? Do you have any white in your family? So uh, th I think it's going to become very difficult to do. Not but just blacks, Scorpio. Not just blacks. You're talking uh, trans, trans, uh, transvestites, transsexuals, trannies. Yeah? Um, yeah. They'll be like, oh, we've been oppressed. We want reparations too. And you have all these different client groups who won't comply unless they get paid. And when the money runs out, that's when the musical chairs game musical chairs is over, and then yeah. everybody starts firing it out, and that's what they want. Yeah, that's that's a great point. And it's all part of this inversion 
social inversion that uh, I was talking about in the first hour, where you you take people from the bottom and invert them uh, through this concept of intersectionality. The more you are repressed, the higher up the food chain you go, and the whole thing's flipped over. And this is sort of a satanic idea. This inversion process is very it's satanic. You deal with many things. To demoralize. Yes. To demoralize the goyim. So if you have uh, somebody who's a worthless person, uh, like George Floyd, you know, put a knife to a pregnant woman's belly, uh, cokehead, probably did crack, um, give him loads of money and support and popularity and fame. We look at all the pop stars, for example, all doing drugs. Everybody loves them. Why aren't they arrested? Um, we have a two-tier system of laws for thee, but not for me. In the entire Western Anglosphere, where the police and Freemasons have a two-tier judicial system where they don't prosecute people who commit crime if you're part of the state client group. Absolutely you don't. And uh, one example of that would be the looting, the mass shoplifting at the moment where the blacks go in with crowds into a store and they rob it blind. And all of a sudden these stores are closing across America now. And the people are left without infrastructure because of what? Worthless people who are allowed to steal. Um, I think there's a breakdown of law and order. Uh, and it's done so um, out of design. It's done so to demoralize a target demographic, which is white, straight, white working men. You know, I agree that it's, it's done to demoralize. And it's also done to necessitate a police state. We've got all this out-of-control crime. We need more police. We need more laws. We need more regulation. It's it's all to bring about the future police state that they so desire for many years. And, um, of course, we can't really talk about the Rothschild or the, the banking uh, world without mentioning the Rothschilds. I think there's people above the Rothschilds that we don't know their names. Their names are not made public, but I can guarantee you there's people more powerful, families more powerful than the Rothschilds. But, of course, I guess last week Jacob Rothschild died. And uh, they're trying to really minimize how rich and powerful this family was. Oh, it's only worth $87 billion or something like that. Uh, wh- what are your thoughts on the death of Jacob Rothschild? And how does that fit into this picture? Does it change things? Or wh- wh- what do you think this does to the equation? Ezra Pound uh, said, if you don't know who lent what to whom, you know nothing about politics or history or international wrangles. Indeed, in my opinion, you don't know anything about the truth. Um, and I think with, with Rothschild, he was the largest cartel. I think the dynamics of that changed with the US dollar reaching global hegemony, which for me was the 50s and 60s. Um, and I think he started to invest abroad with a... a, a a multi-cartel Jewish conglomerate, the Commission. So if you see the Commission as the Jews, Rothschild, what he succeeded in doing was taking all the Jewish cartels around the world in the white Anglosphere of the West and to actually control them as a cohesive unit and to build centralised superstructures like NATO, for example, or the EU. Um, uh, and this f- further uh, causes the centralization of power. 
which is the point. So I think Rothschild was very successful in that. Um, his wealth was, was immense, unimaginable, but we don't know how he spent it. We don't know how much wealth he actually controls. Officially, Rothschild has £825 million as his um, fortune when he died at 87. Uh, I think he gave <laughs> that's, that's £65 million pounds in charity in the year before, which is like £1.25 million pounds a week away. Um, I bet they all went to Jewish charities. Well, and of um, course, you know, this charitable thing is another way they launder the money. And I, I don't know if you've read the book, The Great Red Dragon. You probably have. But if you haven't, I recommend uh, reading it. It's You can get a PDF online. It's, you know, it was published in 1897. But this book talks about Back then, in 1897, the idea that this, there was this Jewish cabal that actually owned much more than they admitted to, and they used these well-known billionaires as front men uh, whose money wasn't really theirs. Uh, it was actually the, this, this club, this cabals. And, of course, when they die, or before they die, they give away a lot of the money to these charitable foundations and, and trusts that are actually part of this money laundering operation to keep the money secret, the, the true ownership of all this money secret. And one point the book does bring up is that it was never fully explained how the Rothschilds went from being garment tailors and garment dealers and rag pickers that they supposedly were to becoming the richest family in the world. Uh, and this book postulates that they were actually front men for this club or cabal. Um, can I recommend a book called A Century of Finance by Jules Iyer, um, published in 1904? And it was a, a list of loans issued or contracted by N.M. Rothschild and Sons. Oh, A Century of, of Finance? Yeah, 1904, Jules Iyer, A-Y-E-R. Okay. Listing the loans issued for N.M. Rothschild and N.M. Rothschild and Sons. Okay, so like we say, you need to know who's lending money to whom. Who, I mean, Victoria Newland might know, but how does the Joe public know? And if with that knowledge, how can we actually combat these people? Um, they do have lots of slaves defending them, after all. Um, so we need to educate people on the importance of the currency um, and how it's being weaponized to dispossess their homes how it's being weaponized to bring the immigrants into the very same homes they've taken off of you and eventually to destroy your <clears throat> natives and indigenous with their customs and traditions because they don't want anybody having the power to be able to rebel. Um, just a suspicion alone is enough to, to get you done in. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to sort of re-emphasize that point there and perhaps racial investing is something that our ethnic investing is something that people might want to start thinking about where you actually create companies of white people or you create companies, uh, in my case, of northern people or Yorkshire people um, and you, you pay them well, you treat them well with good conditions, you look after your workers, yeah, and they all look after you in a good business model. What I fear, though, Scorpio, is the system's coming down in the sense of it's becoming a free-for-all. It's becoming unsustainable. It's becoming unstable. And um, on this island in the UK, it goes pop every 300 years. And I think a lot of it is to do with the collapse of the money supply. That's when you start to get social change 
and revolutionary change when people have no choice. But I, I feel that if a people understands the nature of the financial problems that they face as a, a local people, let's say you're a state in America or a county in the UK, you can able to uh, galvanize in your local community around you, raise the issues, and try to have some representation and policy and action by yourselves to try and keep capital within your in-group and to don't let it bleed, bleed out. Um, to use gold and silver, something with uh, hard value, bullets, oil, gas, medical supplies, um, anything which is stable, land, and has long-term value, uh, and to, to try and be in a community where that can't be stripped. But I'm going to argue you can't die in a, a pile of brass or run away and hide forever. You have to come with your in-group. You have to stand together at some point. Otherwise, you'd just be eradicated. I think this is a test of the characters of ethnicities and the white race at large. There's going to be a test of character and culture. And those who fail that test will go extinct. Well, that's an interesting point, uh, Steve. And I do think that uh, we desperately need a new economic model, uh, a way of doing business that's different than so-called capitalism that we live under now, which is becoming monopolistic capitalism. But, um, you know, I've done some traveling recently, and one thing I've really seen across the country is that there is more rich people than I've ever seen in my life, people with more money than, than they know what to do with. But at the same time, there's more poor people than I've ever seen. I mean, people that are really struggling, barely able to get by. And it's essentially the eradication of the middle class is what's happening um, once you have a civilization that does not have a middle class, when you have rich and poor, you really enter into a totalitarian society. It's sort of a given because the people with money are going to um, align themselves with the ruling power. And it's that middle class that's the problem. And that's uh, the target. It's been the target for a long time. And the checks and balances which America and its constitution are famous for have failed. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And I do think you brought up a good point that, that we are heading for uh, a point where it's getting out of control. The inflation is much worse than we've been told. I put it at around 20% just from personal experience, even higher in some areas. Uh, higher in some areas. But um, the inflation is going to get worse, and then we're going to reach a, a crisis point where – and they know this is coming – that's why I think they're trying to gin up wars on so many different levels, because war is the greatest transformational tool they have to radically change a society and the rules by which a society lives. Well, there's some rules that I won't actually cross. So we have at the moment loads of boob chopping, dick chopping of young people. Um, and we have Dershowitz coming out on live TV accusing uh, Lord Rothschild of introducing him to Jeffrey Epstein on Pedo Island. Um, and I think that's actually, if we can extrapolate that to the macro, this sexual blackmail operation which has been going on and enforced by the Freemasons and Jews, where they're themselves sexual degenerates. There's been several court cases with uh, sexual blackmail and sex cults. In America, 
especially in New York, wherever there's cocaine, homosexuality, and vast amounts of free money. Um, <laughs> we draw the line at preying on the children. We draw the line at organ, organ harvesting and child trafficking. This whole regime has lost legitimacy with the people, where, for example, in the south uh, of the USA, Texas wishes to break off you know, there's people seriously considering that if the U.S. is going down, we should perhaps look after our own interests. Texas is a very large economy, after all. It's very heavily armed. Yes, so, and Alaska is another state. Is, yeah, uh, not to interrupt you, Steve, but Alaska is another state that's uh, where the secession movement is picking up steam and, again, very heavily armed, of course. Yes, so the system filters out good and moral people, and it uses acts of will, acts of evil, to filter them out, like child trafficking. If you go to Las Vegas, how come you can pick up child prostitutes? Why isn't the police there arresting them straight away? Because Jewish organized crime runs America. It's run amok. It's no longer a democracy. It is a plutocracy. It's run by thieves and the Thieves Guild who are murderers and pedophiles who want to destroy your children, and they'll never stop. And to everyone in the audience, unless you stop them, they will come after your kids when you're dead. Um, so it's about protecting your, uh, not just your heritage, but also your offspring, what you leave behind, your legacy. And these people see your legacy as prey, both in terms of your finance, your savings, your pensions, but also your children. They see them, see them as uh, free organs. I, mean, I don't know if people know about this, but do you know in Israel um, they get free organs and preferential treatment for organ waiting lists on the transplant uh, waiting list. So you can fly from Israel to US and you get seen in a couple of days and get an organ, an American organ. Whereas American could be on that list for years and years and still not get one. That's interesting. I did not know that. But uh, of course, Israel runs the organ harvesting business uh, worldwide, essentially, both the legitimate and the illegitimate uh, and of course, this you know the standard of living in Israel is much much higher than in America. A lot of people don't know that, so it, it's it's really bizarre that they get aid from America when their standard of living is considerably higher than America, including you know college. College, a lot of college is actually free in Israel. Yeah, it's all U.S. taxpayers' expense, and probably British. I'm sure the British are sending aids to Israel as well. Um, it's free money, which is spent against you. But just to maintain the point with sexual deviancy and sexual blackmail, this is a mass operation. Mossad have made it an international industry. And somebody who is sexually compromised doesn't have a conscience. So they will do exactly whatever you tell them, even if it means murdering millions of people like the deaf jab. I'd like to know how many pedophiles took decisions as CEOs of all these transnational pharmaceuticals to kill 100 million people worldwide and rising. No conscience. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, yeah. Uh, and of course, you're, you're, this idea that Jeff, Jeffrey Epstein ran in some kind of independent operation and there isn't like hundreds or maybe even thousands of other Jeffrey Epsteins out there running very similar operations. It's very naive to think that way. The blacks were compromised by it. There's a whole Puff Daddy thing coming out now where he's a homosexual 
and he's be making everybody who wants something from him uh, commit degenerate sexual acts, homosexual acts. And it's been going on for years and years. Yeah, um, and there's actually, I believe, a, a whole weird cult around rap music uh, that, of course, is controlled by Jews, uh, that where they all have to engage in this sort of behavior to get in the club. Yeah, and I think this is part of the um, demoralization where you, all the people who are above you in your society, in positions of responsibility, you can't trust them because they're sexually wrong I think we're all family, for one. Um, so what we need is a complete regime change. So I'm talking to the listeners in America and the UK to look after your local state and to stand strong, but to look at the ultimate goal of regime change and to destroy the money printing press that's the objective that's what's fueling all this crime all this sexual degeneracy this demonic degeneracy it's all coming from that invisible funny money absolutely and that is that's very concise steve uh that is the root of the problem and that's a good place to end. We are at the top of the hour. Steve, I want to thank you for coming back. Another great conversation, and we will do it again soon. Thank you, and talk soon. Texas goes on forever on the lone highway. This strange drift is hitchhike on the lone highway. Cheap motels and beer on the lone highway. Trust anyone on the Lone Highway, on the Lone Highway, on the Lone Highway. Find your inner rebel at Dixie Republic, the world's largest Confederate store, located in Traveler's Rest, South Carolina. The anti-white, anti-Christ, anti-Southern world ends at the asphalt. Welcome to God's country. Log on to DixieRepublic.com to view our Southern merchandise, from flags to t-shirts to artwork. At the store, browse through our extensive collection of belt buckles and have a custom-made leather belt handcrafted in our Johnny Rebs gun and leather shop. That's DixieRepublic.com, where you can meet all of your Southern needs. Support those that support the network. Support Dixie Republic at DixieRepublic.com. Email ProudSouthern123 at gmail.com and let them know that RBN sent you.
This is RBN, the Republic Broadcasting Network.